Hi everybody, it's Anthony Wilson from Mastering Risk Management. Uh, welcome back to the program. Today I thought I would cover off something that uh, I'm pretty passionate about, and that's the fact that all organisations need to manage risk. Uh, like it or not, risk is part and parcel of being in business. Indeed, it's part and parcel of being a person and being alive. So. I want to talk about that as well. And just before we get into that, a reminder that I'm always open to suggestions for topics that you'd like to hear about, for guests that you'd like to hear from. Um, yeah, if you've got any of those, feel free to send me suggestions, thoughts on that as well. So best way to do that is via my email address, which is anthony.wilson at abmrisk.com.au. Or you can also contact me via our ABM Risk website, abmrisk.com.au. So any ideas, welcome, and uh, feel free to contribute to uh, thoughts and ideas on, on the content of the program. So, organisations must manage risk. What does that mean? Well, whilst that sounds pretty obvious, it's not clear that everybody understands that. So you'll, you'll come across people that say, well, I'm not doing risk management in my organisation, it's, it's bureaucracy or it takes too much money or I haven't got the resources or we don't have the experience. Uh, and that's fair enough, organisations do say that. But they will be managing risk, believe it or not. Uh, they won't have formalised a program, they might not have a risk management framework, they might won't have a risk management policy, they probably won't even have formal risk management tools but they will be managing risk. They wouldn't be in business unless they were doing that. So they do approach it a bit more casually than an organisation that does have a formal risk management program. The thing that they will have uh, in those organisations that say they don't manage risk is controls. So controls, as you know, are aimed at mitigating or reducing the threat risks and maximising the possibility of opportunity risks. So uh, just a reminder, risk has two sides. It has downsides and upsides. So it is the effect of uncertainty on objectives and uncertainty can be an upside, so a benefit, or it can be a downside or a threat. So remember that as well. So those organisations that say they don't manage risk will have controls in place and they will have things that they do to minimise, uh, usually the threats, they're not generally as disciplined about managing opportunity risks. So why do you have to manage risk? Why would you want to do this as an organisation? And I guess the obvious answer that most people would jump to is to minimise bad things happening to the company. So, you know, avoiding people getting injured, avoiding property getting damaged, goods being stolen, missing opportunities uh, for the business, all those sorts of things make absolute sense as to why you'd want to manage risk. But I think there's other drivers uh, for risk as well. So some of them are regulatory drivers, and it's probably not the greatest reason to want to manage risk that, that somebody tells you you have to. So if you were a, an APRA-regulated institution or a financial institution here in Australia, and I'm sure it's the same uh, in most jurisdictions, if you're a financial institution, you must manage risk. Uh, the law requires you to do so. 
and requires you to have quite formal mechanisms. So in banking, for instance, the Baal uh, Accords, uh, which determine you know how much capital banks have to hold. They're all risk management procedures or processes. So there are regulatory frameworks and requirements that enforce organisations to manage risk. Even things like uh, for a, for a manufacturer, uh, product safety regulations. Uh, you know, as one uh, anti money laundering uh, regulations for for uh, financial services. Uh, child protection rules for uh, early childhood providers, education providers. All those sorts of things are examples of regulatory risk. But regulation is one reason why organisations must manage risk. There's plenty of other reasons uh, why you'd want to do it. And maybe let's just think about some of the reasons why you'd want to do that. So, for instance, if you're an essential services provider or a critical infrastructure provider, uh, you have obligations to make sure that your services products are protected and available to generally the general public. So if you're, for instance, an electricity generator, uh, an electricity retailer, a water authority, uh, you need to be providing your services on a reliable basis. So you have to manage risk uh, to the interruption of that supply. It's um, quite typical, and again, here in Australia, that nobody probably gives these things too much thought um, outside of those organisations until something goes wrong. So the all of the work that goes into managing the risk in an, in an energy generator, in a water provider, in those sort of public authorities, probably is, is pretty invisible to most of us until something goes wrong. And then when something goes wrong, uh, all hell breaks loose. So lots of questions asked, why did this happen? Why, weren't, why wasn't the organisation prepared for this? Uh, all those sorts of questions get asked. We hear the shock jocks on the radio stations calling for heads to roll and doing all those sorts of things, which doesn't really add a lot of value in my humble opinion. But you think about that for those providers and, and you think about the fire services, police, ambulance, all those sorts of organisations have a similar requirement. They have to maintain continuity of their business and continuity of their services. So they have to manage risk for another reason in that essential services space. So that's that's another good reason for doing it as well. But I guess there are other reasons. If your organisation is not an essential services provider, you may have other uh, drivers for why you want to maintain your service. So I guess the pandemic that we've all lived and are living through has proven that there are some services that we can't do without. I mean, uh, here in New South Wales, uh, just recently, we've uh, lifted the lockdowns and uh, one of the uh, services that's uh, under most duress in terms of demand at the moment is actually hairdressers and barbers, uh, people trying to get their hair cut after being locked down after 100 days. So uh, who would have thought that was essential? But if you look at other services like um, supermarkets, you know, providing food and, and drinks and those sort of things, you know, every organisation will have something that they do that their customers obviously value and would prefer that it be available when they need it uh, and not be disrupted through a unforeseen risk. So 
organisations obviously need to think about what uh, they're doing, what the potential risks are and how they could arise and what sort of things they can do to mitigate the chance of a threat risk occurring and to maximise the benefits from a, an opportunity risk that they might identify. So one of the things that probably drives organisations in the risk space and, and you know, what drives risk in organisations is things that happen outside the organisation, so external events that require the organisation to respond. So if you think about changes in customer demand, you know, an organisation might have a lot of shop fronts and, you know, customers start wanting to buy online more predominantly. So that's a change in, in customer demand. Um, it could be things like movements in the economy, uh, interest rate movements or, you know, exchange rates, those sort of things, which mean that the organisation is exposed financially. So these external things uh, that can become risks that mean the organisation has to respond. And that's basically what the organisation uh, needs to do. You can't actually control those risks. You can put processes and procedures in place to try and minimise the impact should they occur. But it's very hard to stop an interest rate rise. In fact, you, you can't do that. Um, it's very hard for an organisation to influence the exchange rates or even what customers demand. You can try and influence, influence customer demand, but largely that will be a, a feature of the marketplace. So those externally driven risks are ones where management has to respond. That has to be the, the primary uh, mechanism. Then there are the risks whose origin comes from within the organisation itself. So typically, strategic initiatives. There might be a uh, merger and acquisition activity. The organisation may decide to develop a new product line, operate in a new jurisdiction, all those sort of things. So these things all come with some risks. So new strategy means uh, diverting resources from existing operations to this new area. Uh, new products mean we're entering into an area we're potentially not familiar with, maybe new laws, new requirements. Uh, new geographies means we're entering into uh, an area where we're unfamiliar potentially with the local uh, regulations. Probably more importantly, less familiar with local customs and traditions. So we can't just take our business model to the new jurisdiction and say, well, it'll work here because it worked back home. So those sort of things are the things that organisations need to con consider uh, in terms of risk that originate from within the organisation. The other things that can occur from within the organisation are those operational risks where something's happened in our process or a procedure that hasn't worked appropriately and therefore causes a risk. So it might be a risk of injury, uh, you know, again, could be a product quality issue, could be all sorts of things like that. So there are risks that arise from your operations, uh, processes, people, uh, systems that give rise to risk as well. Likewise, they give rise to opportunities. 
Can we improve the way we do this? Can we reduce the cost of doing this? Can we be more efficient, faster? Those sort of things. So don't forget the opportunity side of those risks. But those ones are driven from inside the organisation and, and need to be addressed as well. So if those are the two drivers, so they're externally driven risks and the internally driven ones, the strategy type stuff and the operational type stuff, you then need to think about how you're going to manage those. Uh, and that's really important that you actually face these risks. Uh, you can't put your head in the sand. You actually need to do something about this. And, and that's really key. So one of the things organisations need to think about is what its operations mean to their clients and their customers, uh, patients, whatever you call uh, your end customer. So making sure your organisation is aligned with the value demands of those customers is really key. So the board's job and management's job is to make sure that you're aligned, to make sure you're not just protecting the value that the organisation has by continuing to do what you do well, but also creating value for the organisation by innovating, uh, developing strategies, implementing new ideas and initiatives. So you need to make sure you are looking out for the demands of your customers uh, and broader stakeholders and balance the fairly fine line that is uh, uh, doing this. And, and what do I mean by that? Well, you can satisfy a group of stakeholders and annoy another group of stakeholders at the same time. So sometimes management and the board walk a fairly fine line in this space. So, for example, if your organisation is developing a new product, you've got some great features in it, it's, it's quite leading edge, it's got some good features, it's pretty new to the market, and it's something that just on your initial research, it looks like it's going to be a winner. It'll, it'll sell quite well. But then you hear through some market gossip that the competitor is about to release a product that is pretty much the same or a big improvement on their current offer. So all of a sudden you're faced with a, a bit of a question. What do you do? So do you launch now? with the product not quite where, it, uh, where you wanted it to be? Do you launch early? Do you forego some features that you wanted to finalise? Do you forego some testing, some product quality testing? What do you do in order to get out there first? Or do you need to get out there first? So does first mover advantage in this space uh, give you an advantage? Or is the product you've developed so good that it doesn't matter if it comes out after the competitor's product. So these are the sort of dilemmas that organisations are faced with all the time. And there needs to be some risk management thinking about this, right? You need to contemplate all the different things that could go wrong if you went early with your launch. So you could end up with some reputational damage. You could end up with product recalls. You know, worst case scenario, you know, clients could get hurt by your product. So you, you could be in all sorts of trouble um, from a reputation and uh, potentially financial perspective if that was the case. So it's, it's 
going to be different for every organisation. So you can't uh, take a cookie cutter approach to this. And this is why risk management is, is so is so important for you to help think through all of the decisions, all of the information that you can get your hands on. Consider this perspective of each of the different stakeholders when making your decision. So think about what regulators are going to think about, what shareholders, your owners are going to think about, your financiers, most importantly, your customers, obviously, but also your employees, your business partners, suppliers, those sort of people. Lots of people to think about. And if you apply a risk management, a disciplined risk management approach, you can come up with a pretty good uh, set of answers. It won't mean that one group of stakeholders won't be dissatisfied because sometimes that just happens. But at least you've got a robust process that you can demonstrate you went through to get to the decision you reached. This is risk-based decision-making, which is really important. So it's important to think about those sort of things as you make some of these decisions. It's it's, uh, not easy. Nobody says it's easy. But it's uh, important that you do that and think about this sort of stuff. And that's, that's where the value is of having a robust risk management uh, framework to help you think through some of these things. And, and, you know, it's going to be decision-making that's appropriate to the size of the decision that's being made. So, you know, a big strategic decision, an M&A, an acquisition, a divestment, whatever else, is going to require a fairly robust uh, risk management process and lots of people involved and lots of considerations and data and information. A decision to change the price of a product on the other hand, uh, might be reasonably locally uh, decided and might just have a little bit of data about price history, market competition, pricing, those sort of things. So not advocating a major process for every decision, but when you're making key decisions, you need to make sure that there is a solid process uh, that supports that, a risk-based decision-making process. And I guess one of the good reasons or, or very good reasons to want this process is to be able to demonstrate to your stakeholders that you've thought through the processes. Because remember, your stakeholders will all have different motivations. So as a shareholder, which is ironically one of the ones that people think is the major stakeholder, and yes, they are a major stakeholder, but they're one of many. But shareholders generally want returns. They want profit. You know, they're investing money into the organisation and often they're big superannuation groups or their investment funds. They invest their money and they expect a return. So they want, you know, capital appreciation and they also want dividend payments. You know, community groups, another stakeholder, uh, want the organisation to be responsible and environmentally friendly and a good corporate citizen. You know, the regulators say, well, hang on, we want you to meet the law and be compliant with all the laws and and the spirit and intent of the law. You know, customers want new products and services and innovation and change. They like to see something different and, you know, want the organisation to be a bit innovative. And employees, of course, they want fair pay, they want some job security, and they want satisfaction with the work they do. Now, you know, that's not to mention the other groups like suppliers or vendors and those sort of things. So as you can see, balancing all of these stakeholders' interests is is not 
as straightforward as one might think. So there are a lot of uh, reasons why organisations need to develop a risk management framework, uh, all of the tools and processes that go with that, so that this uh, risk-based decision-making uh, comes naturally and uh, you know is, is embedded into the organisation as just the way we do things around here. So doing that um, is really key for organisations. So that's where I might leave it today, is just that initial discussion on why organisations might, might, must manage risk. There are uh, some more things I'd like to talk about, and I will do that in a future exercise, uh, sorry, future episode on why organisations must manage risk, because this is, this is a big subject and we probably can't do it justice uh, in, in one episode. Uh, so thank you again for your time and for listening in. If you, as I said at the top of the program, if you have any thoughts uh, on topics you'd like to hear about, uh, people you'd like to hear from, uh, we've been spoilt with guests of recent times, so we've had a lot of great uh, input from our guests and we will continue to talk to uh, guests from around the world. But yeah, if you do have any thoughts or ideas on people you'd like to hear from or topics, please let me know. Uh, anthony.wilson at abmrisk.com.au let me know drop me an email and we will do our best to get uh, those things covered if you want to talk about your own risk management needs and where you're at as an organization you just want to have a no obligation chat again feel free to touch base you can contact me or any of the partners at abm risk through our website abmrisk.com.au So thanks again. Great to have you on board and listening. Uh, Share the program with your friends. As I say, feel free to contribute and give us feedback. We'd love to hear from you with any thoughts and ideas. So till next time, cheers.